Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Team Podcast channel. I am your humble host and thinks the Patriots should tank for Trevor Pete Rogers. And I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man and the duck father, Clark Barnes, the working girl and keeper of keys and grounds at Buccaneer Bandwagon, Jordan Smith, and the ginger clean shaven man and political wildcard, Nick Botifer. Guys, how are we doing today? Good. How you doing? I, I am doing. I am doing well. Did we all bask in the fact that sports, as minor as it was, came back to the uh, television screens yesterday with uh, the airing of the first two episodes of the Michael Jordan doc? That was a fantastic watch. Very excited to continue on with the rest of it along these Sundays here. I feel like it's it's the closest thing. Everyone, I, and I saw the ratings came out. They said like 6.5 million people watched it or something absurd. And it's just because everyone is just hankering, hankering for some sort of communal watching. And in ESPN, way to provide. Yeah, I did not partake, but I have seen all of the facts tweeted about, so I can talk about it. <laughs> Look at you, Nick. That's called research. <laughs> it's one of those perilous things where I also didn't watch it, but people are ruining it on Twitter. Mm. So I need to just mute all of it because I, I am interested in seeing it, even though it's an ESPN production. But yeah, it's right on that border of like, am I gonna have to? Am I gonna have to not watch this out of spite? No, you got to You just have to. Yeah. You just yeah. You have to mute everyone and either then watch it live or just not pay attention to anyone until because it's because Netflix produced it. So I think in like a month or so it will be on Netflix then. Oh, that explains why it's good then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've heard. I've. I didn't watch. I haven't watched it yet, but I've only heard good things. So I'm very excited to to partake in it. Jordan, you on on our Slack group uh, posed the question, which I thought was a good one, and and let us lead off the show with it what was what was the question you posed uh the question which is a, a little bit harder once i actually started thinking about it than when <laughs> the point i actually asked the question but it was basically what nfl player would you want a 10-part documentary series on um and the reason i say it's hard is because i feel like with like nfl films 30 for 30 we've gotten a ton of football content so we know a lot about a lot of like legendary type of players um and it's also yeah it's it, it would have to be maybe somebody we don't know a whole lot about uh to make the documentary interesting and to last 10 whole episodes for which would right. be tough which to me i feel like then there's like a clear and obvious answer in my book and that's like all of a sudden espn is like hey guess what we've been doing for the last 10 years it's recording bill belichick and now you have like unfiltered access oh, cool. to like inside New England. <laughs> and now you get to know all of the goings-ons there. 
Clark clearly. I also had a, an, I think that there's a clear and obvious answer of Jim Brown. I would love to see a 10 part story on Jim Brown, his NFL career, and later. Yeah, that was, dude was like not only one of the best football players to ever live, but like a highly political man in a highly political time. Uh, yeah. I would love to hear him talk for 10 hours. Yeah. I think that's what it would have to be is it would have to be like an older uh, statesman of, of the NFL because current players, I do agree. Like current players, the reason why this is so the whole Jordan thing is like so exciting. And so everyone wants to tune in is because of the fact that uh, because it's old, like you weren't, you didn't have the Twitter access, the internet access that at that point to kind of like get, uh, all of that unfiltered access into Michael Jordan and into the Bulls, and during this time where you know they were just being torn apart from the inside because of their GM. But you would need a team like like uh, I'm trying to think what would be what would be like a team where they went through all kinds of crazy shit in recent NFL history that you would wish you had known more about. I don't know. So I, I have two answers that are that sort of answer that uh, that, that respond to that query uh the first one is if we're actually going into like the truth about things um then ray lewis like if we were yes. to do yes like 100 investigation yes i would yes. really do the oj that. doc do the oj doc but about ray lewis yeah that could be really interesting um but the other one uh, on a little bit of a lighter note uh uh the video game NFL street was a formative experience of mine when I was in my early teens. <laughs> and, um, if you won enough games, you could unlock the Miami dolphins, the 1972 Miami dolphins fullback, Larry Zonka. And he was a little bowling ball, but his life after football seemed to be pretty remarkable. He evidently moved to Alaska and like kind of, from what I understand, like off the grid kind of a thing. And so I think that, Really, if they focused on him, like surviving in Alaska, that could get pretty interesting. That sounds way to, great. <laughs> way to pull that out of your ass, Nick. Well done. There's a there's a ten part doc right there. What is Larry Nanska? What was it? Zonka. 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 What is he? C S O N K A. Now that's impressive. I knew the name, but I wouldn't have even attempted to spell it. <laughs> Just I thought flexing his research along similar lines. I was thinking of like Ray Lewis and um, like Michael Vick, or if we want to get really dark, oh, crap, I had his name, um, Ray Carew, and uh, like just criminals, like get the football side, and kind of like that Aaron Hernandez doc that came out a couple months ago, which seems like this years ago, but yeah, uh, just a couple months ago, which was very intriguing and interesting to watch. Um, I would also, I wouldn't mind a 10 part series on like Deion Sanders, because I feel like that would be along the like similar lines of the Jordan doc where it'd just be watching Dion in all of his craziness and you'd be able to get more content from him playing baseball and yeah. et cetera. Or, um, the along the lines of uh, 30 for 30 uh the you uh 30 for 30 get give me more content of those early 90s miami hurricanes teams i could do i could do the the eagles team the what 2004 eagles team that went to the super bowl and get give me some good donovan mcnab terrell owens drama 
I could, I could, I could do a deep dive into that season. I can relive that. I, I feel compelled to balance out the scale with some negativity on <laughs> on Deion Sanders. I just have you guys seen how many you, times? You, you're welcome. Um, professional football players address a critique of his on Twitter, and he has no idea that they play in the league. Like no yeah. one in in sports media is writing their coattails and doing absolutely no work as hard as Deion Sanders. He has no idea who is even in the NFL. People who played his position, he does not know what the hell is going on. It's would, astonishing to me. I would like to second Nick's sentiment on Deion Sanders. So we are split on this podcast. This may be – Deion Sanders may be our Mason Dixon line. I was, well, I was going to say there's only one person who could decide this for us, and that's Deion Sanders. Clearly, Dion, you'll have to come onto the podcast and make your pitch as to why you deserve a 10-part doc and should be beloved. Nothing would be more odd than I've listened to your show and don't like you guys since, as you said, Nick, he doesn't bother to watch uh, cornerbacks in the NFL. All of a sudden, we, all, Dion's like, oh, no, I'm an avid listener. Yeah, no, I have. You guys are jerks. You guys I'm have out. had some highs and some lows. I, I'm not a fan. We could Unsubscribe. literally tell him that we were NFL players and he'd be like, yeah, no, I, you guys had that good play. <laughs> But, but not but my as, style. As one apropos Twitter mentioner said, no one cares what four on athletic dudes think it's about true. Uh, No one, no one cares. Which is not fair. Nick and Jordan, you, you guys seem like you do stuff. So, see, I, I don't. No, follow... Nothing against you, Pete. I just <laughs> Thanks, talk. Clark. About, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't follow Deion Sanders or pay attention to any of his uh, broadcasting, so I, I'm not very privy to his hot takes. I'm just interested in athlete Dion. Athlete Dion is interesting. I gotta, yeah. I gotta say that he would be, he would be an exciting person to watch a ten part talk about. Um, well, good. There was some good talk about uh, documentaries, <clears throat> and now it's time to talk about the NFL draft. Bert's attacking Becca's jacket, so I wanted to make sure it wasn't. Well, that jacket knows what it did. Yeah, that jacket deserves it. <laughs> he knows. He knows what happened. Um, so yeah, so it's draft week. The NFL draft starts on Thursday, and as as I was talking to Clark about uh, before we jumped on the show. I have never been more excited for a NFL draft in my life, really anything in my life. Uh, evidently the NFL ran like a mock test today and just the tweets that like reporters were saying coming out of it was basically that it was complete chaos, that the internet was spotty. Everyone was getting disconnected. No one knows what's going on. No one muted themselves. And so that they were all like all 50 people who were logged in were just like talking over each other. And it was just, complete and utter chaos i am so excited to watch this draft and watch all the craziness that unfurls uh it's going to be the greatest draft of all time yeah i was boring pete with my work history of uh, working in a call center and setting up a work from home team and running some projects to get it like this going and understanding enough of it to know like billy does this and jessica does this uh but knowing enough to know that this is complicated uh, i think we've all uh most likely drafted with 10 or 12 other people on a site built solely to host 12 people to do one thing. And there's people who time out and have a hard time with it. Getting all these connections set up to play with each other is difficult. And then expecting people who've, you know, likely not gone to an ATM machine by themselves for like the past 10 years to follow directions and be able to execute these things. is just going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah. They started way too late on their troubleshooting. This stuff's difficult to do. This is going to be great. It's crazy that they're going this late. So this is from uh, Diana Rossini via Warren Sharp's Twitter feed. Uh, 
I was on the phone with a head coach talking about the mock draft today, and he was losing his mind because his internet went down. Ellipses, ellipses, ellipses. <laughs> Apparently, his young children were all on their iPads using up the bandwidth. Quote, everybody get off the internet in a loud dad voice. I hung up. <laughs> she just ended the I'm telling you, this is going to be the best fucking draft ever. I, I said earlier today that this could be NFL Twitter's greatest moment is like <laughs> the draft over the next few days. Um, I think especially for, I mean, guys like us, we're literally recording a podcast on a stream that it, it's kind of second nature to us now, but um, I think it could be complicated for some people. So I can't imagine what like, if it's just the owners or the GMs, just 32 old dads like trying to figure out this technology and they're not like those dads that have like smart homes that they've installed themselves they're like dads that still use a printer and print out all their documents well like there's a wide variety of tech savviness like we've already seen the pictures of uh david gettleman Gettleman's giant binder (laughs) yeah and, and someone from the chargers right like these are 32 very unique and and we're just those those are just the GMs. What they're gonna have to be doing is operating likely multiple private channels on their computer. Again, which like if you're 18, you've been doing this your whole life, right? Or if you're my age and you've been doing remote work, like this makes perfect sense of you. And people still yell inappropriate things that get them fired into the microphone every once in a while. This is good. Oh, I'm I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. Someone's definitely going to pass up Jim Tom Sula's like farting while microphone on record. But Gettleman, I mean, like thinking about this, the the, the end of last see the 2019 season where he's giving these press conferences and he's talking about how they're revamping the team. They hired, in his words, four computer people which we took to mean analytics. I I think it's really unconfirmed. That could just be he hired four, like four Comcast workers went into his home (laughs) and he's like, I got four computer guys. You guys know how to analytics? Y'all were talking about computers, right? Well, I just, uh, I just got my guy, the best computer people. And so, but like, think about, so, so we're caught up on the video chat. And I think that that's a really, really reasonable thing to be like shitting on David Gettleman preemptively for, but can you imagine, I mean, he's either going to be like emailing his scouts while they're on the pick, like on the clock, or like, he's trying to scroll through like Slack. They don't know how to do the thread and he's just having to scroll. You know, like this is going to go so badly. I, I will be, I'm very curious to see how the people who Roger Goodell has undoubtedly hired to just try to figure out how to stall or like cut the feed or, or, or they probably have a record setting amount of highlight clips cut up for this draft. Oh, yeah. like we're going to have a half an hour per pick well, of, of highlights. Like what's what's going to happen when they go to the dump button because like something really inappropriate happens in the background, but then something else inappropriate happens, right? Like when they catch up on their delay and then something bad happens. That's what I'm really looking forward to. It's just going to be chaos. I don't know who's running. I mean, they're broadcasting it on ABC, ESPN, and NFL Network. So depending on who you're watching, it could be like four different people on basically what we're looking at right now, four different screens, like in their living rooms. Um, I feel like it'll just be us listening to them speak the entire time. And then we'll have to get our stories of what these GMs are messing up on via 
Shefty, Ian right. Rappaport, like just all these other inside sources. Because I doubt that they would actually put any sort of uh, conversation with these guys live unless it was like pre-recorded. And then they're like, okay, we got a couple minutes of uh, XGM, so we can put that up safely. His kid didn't burst in the background. He didn't curse. It's safe. I, I think you're totally right. What I'm looking forward to is when like the pig timer expires and just no one says anything and like 10 minutes goes by (laughs) no that exactly what is going to happen when when a team misses a pick yeah what like do you think that they're gonna penalize them or i don't like the day of i know the nfl has said that they've like already built in stipulations for pausing the draft if anyone experiences any kind of technical difficulty and my guess is they're gonna always err on the side of caution with that they're going to be I like, think if a team misses the pick, they should forfeit it to oh, a yeah. team that doesn't have a first round pick. What a great idea, Clark. Bill O'Brien's long Bill O'Brien's just on the chat, just, just waiting for anyone to fuck up. Dave Do you think that they let him go? Bill O'Brien's like, the first we got the four overall pick, baby. Do you think the teams that don't have a first round pick, like, don't get an invite? To the chat room i would hope they do just to just <laughs> so they can like lower the bandwidth just drag everyone down with them they just bill, post videos and gifts the whole time bill, bill Bryan, exactly there. bill Bryan's just there with like 13 devices all using as much wi-fi as possible well so from that same thing that that uh, sharp tweeted out the the initial report from this was that all 32 gms were on the conference call together and not one of them muted their microphone <laughs> And so this was like, while the, like instructions are being given, someone technically has the floor to be talking. Some nerd. No one else. Exactly. Some computer Some person. No one in the league muted their shit. So everyone is talking just in the background, like, I fucking hate this guy kind of thing. Like, this is going to be crazy. This is going to be crazy. That's going to be the best audio. Nick is totally right. Where Roger Goodell comes on. He's like, I'm going to welcome everyone to the 2020 in the background. Belichick, you just hear him. Fuck this guy. Fuck you. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think like teams like the Pats and Eagles, I wouldn't be surprised if they've, they have like people whose sole job it is to just sit Ernie in, Adams, in baby. A, a, a silent room with headphones on and just be listening to the background chatter. Like, can we hear any picks you know like that's smart gonna be, teams are going to ex- exploit that's gonna be ernie adams's sole job is to just listen to all white noise coming from every team and figuring out if they can de- decipher every team's draft plan it's like wind talkers except for the nfl draft exactly oh, well done good reference clark yeah thanks he's gonna hear gettleman like reciting a little limerick he did to remember players names <laughs> <laughs> just under his breath john Gruden. We, we have how many picks in the first round oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moral of the story, this draft's going to be amazing. Uh, but we are going to actually jump into some best fits uh, because obviously there's still, I mean, we'll wait and see where everyone ultimately ends up. But I wrote an article today over on Fake Teams, which you should go check out, looking at all of the kind of top NFL prospects and my picks for what their best fantasy fits would be. And so I'll, I'll go through a, a couple of my favorite ones and we can discuss and uh, you guys can share where you're thinking these players will ultimately end up. Uh, But before we do all that, we're going to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. So I wrote an article on Fake Teams, Best Fantasy Football. Wait, where's my super good title? Best Fantasy Football Fits for Top NFL Draft Prospects. Uh, so I went through all the top guys and I gave myself a rule where I could only pick roughly from like the five picks around where this player is ultimately going. Cause otherwise you could just be like, put any receiver with the chiefs or send Joe Burrow to the Patriots. Um, which I mean, I wouldn't say no to that if that were to happen. Uh, but so I, I came up with the top guys from this year's draft and where I would love to see them go in and around their area. And we'll start with the wide receivers because that's obviously the, the highlight of this draft. And we've talked a lot about these guys. Uh, and we'll start with Jerry Judy and CD lamb. I have those two guys basically as uh, numbers one, a and one B in terms of, in terms of draft ranking. And for both of those guys, in terms of realistic landing spots for them, Jerry Judy, I think, and we talked about this on our draft on our mock draft last week, best landing spot for him from a fantasy standpoint that's realistic, I think is the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, and then for CD Lamb, I have the New York Jets. Judy is a proficient route runner who can play all over the field, but primarily does most of his damage in the slot. Uh, I think with Derek Carr's, you know, uh, timidness, I would say, in terms of passing the ball down the field, he likes to get the ball out quick in that John Gruen's West Coast offense. I think Jerry Judy would fit really well into that and be able to still make big plays after the catch. Um, and if we're talking realistic landing spots, he only really has Darren Waller there to compete with in terms of targets. And then CeeDee Lamb is giving Sam Darnold the big play wide receiver that he so desperately needs and that the Jets as an organization desperately need. So those are those are my two landing spots for those guys. Uh, do you guys agree that those are best fantasy fits or do you have other teams that you think would be better in or around the range that they're kind of being mocked going? I think that, yeah, those guys, from a fantasy perspective, those guys going to either one of those teams just because, like, the targets will be there for them. They're not really competing with somebody else. I did get a notification. It looks like Albert Breer is reporting that uh, Kyler Murray is campaigning for C.D. Lamb at the number eight pick. Um, that would be interesting. Obviously, you have DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, is Clark Barnes about uh, to nail a crazy mock draft prediction where he had Jerry Judy going there on last week's mock? He could be. Um, and I, I think part of that is because you just have the Oklahoma connection. Um, so that might be something that's interesting. But I don't know if C.E. Lamb would provide the best fantasy value if he went there. I think it's a really exciting wide receiver class. And just to hear you mention the Jets taking one of them just makes me sad because they've they've had Robbie Anderson and uh, struggled with injury a little bit. But when you have someone who's who's proven quite capable 
and you don't use them properly and then let them go uh, wrangling someone else into being forced to play for you for five years is just is so disheartening so I hope you're wrong about the Jets but yeah but the Jets, I just, they're, they're an offense that whatever, if they do take a wide receiver, they're just going to walk into such a huge workload that I have a hard time thinking that they're not good. I hate Adam Gase and I don't want to rely on him in fantasy, but like uh, who else, Quincy and Nunwa, Jameis and Crowder, are those guys going to really be, you know, stealing targets yeah. away from a, a top 10 wide receiver in the draft? Yes. Uh, I, I kind of think so. I think I do think that Jamison Crowder has a stranglehold on on Darnold's target share. But I, I think if either one of these guys ends up on the Raiders, then they'll walk into a bunch of targets. I I can't trust Adam Gase around any team. Period. But when we look back at Devontae Parker, has always been an extremely talented player. There's a reason that every single year the fantasy community was still in on him. I mean, you know, what, whatever football guys want to try to say, the fantasy community has exceptional totally. analysts. We're good at, at, at this Everyone kind of was... shit to not be eloquent about it, but go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that Devontae Parker has always been like the, like suit, like on that list of sleepers every year is like a guy who you can get, for, you know, the fantasy community has been always in on Devontae Parker, having, yeah. like eventually breaking out and reaching his full potential. And, my guess is that you're going to the point that Adam Gase tempered all that. It, yeah. And, and I mean, you look at like, like not that running backs matter, but like Kenyon Drake, what he did in a half a game with no prep on another team, he, he was with Gase for like three or four years that mixed with Parker. There's clearly something going on here with Gase just being an atrocious, atrocious coach. He, he gets into power struggles with everyone he can, whether that's players or, or staff and, and just will not, he just cuts them out. And so, no, I, I like, I can't sign on to the idea that any, any skill player can benefit from going here. Cause I, I don't know the, the, the floor is just a zero. Like if he gets, if he says the wrong thing, if he stares at Gase too long, when Gase's eyes are going all over the place or what, I mean, that's the main thing for me to say, but the point is, I no, I can't trust anybody going to the Jets. Uh, I think either of them going to the Raiders is fine. Gruden, he doesn't know what he's doing with his team, but he showed that he's a decent play caller still. Um, as far as a good place for any of these guys to go, I, I really just think anywhere else in this range, even if we're – like if, if they went a couple slots down to the Broncos, uh, you know, Sutton, Sutton's got a stranglehold there. But outside of that, there's – a lot of room for everybody for people to step in. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what I like about the Broncos pick and just that kind of in general is uh, in draft time, it's a time to get excited and that's great. And I'm all about getting excited. Uh, but it, it's also really easy to forget that it takes people, you know, in general, like you said, unless you're a running back, it can take a little while to acclimate sure. yourself to the NFL. So going to a place where there's already a good developing number one wide receiver is probably the best thing that can happen for, for all of these guys. Uh, and I'm just kind of wondering with all of our unanimous take on the Jets, maybe we don't have to worry about Gase coaching the Jets for for too long. So Fingers maybe crossed. That's a silver lining. He gets his ass fired too. Yeah, but he coached Peyton Manning. So oh, I mean, that's true. That's true. Oh, never mind. Come on. Sorry. Never mind. He'll be coach. He'll be coaching forever. He'll never die. 
Uh, another wide receiver, obviously the the third guy of those top of those top three guys, Henry Ruggs. I've seen him going at, in the kind of ten to fifteen range, but I've also seen in some mocks recently him dropping into like the fifteen to twenty twenty two range. So I gave two landing spots for him in both of those ranges. Henry Ruggs, we talked, I think, a little bit about him on the 49ers. Nick, I think you took him in the mock in that in that environment, which like he would just fit in beautifully in Kyle Shanahan's offense and be a great component to pair along with Debo Samuels. And now you have two stud wide receivers on there. The pairing that I think would just be just a fantasy gold mine is if he was to able to fall down to the Eagles. Because I think we saw, we got a taste of what Carson Wentz and Deshaun Jackson, the speed of Deshaun Jackson could do at the beginning of this season when they were just lighting the league on fire. Then Deshaun Jackson got injured and and wasn't able to stay on the field. And I think Henry Ruggs, the Eagles clearly need a number one wide receiver. They need someone who Wentz can rely upon and get the ball to. And I think Henry Ruggs is, and I've said this many times on the podcast, he's far more than just a speed one-trick pony. He is a complete number one wide receiver who just happens to have elite speed. Um, And I think with Doug Peterson there, he would be able to, it would be an offense that would fully utilize his talents. He's getting a lot of Tyree kill comparisons on the field obviously off the field he's a much better person uh and so i think that the eagles offense would be able to utilize everything that henry ruggs brings to him and being the number one receiver there i just think that 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 matchup if that were to happen i know i would be drafting henry ruggs in almost every league probably way too high i think that um he, yeah he, he would be a, a sight to behold in philadelphia uh, I, I won't argue with the marriage at all other than I, I think it's a, a long shot for him yeah. to last that far in the draft. But if he does, yeah, that, that'd be a terrific fit. Yeah. I think he was getting mocked to the Eagles very early on. And that was kind of before people picked up on, Oh, this guy can probably go top 15. Um, I actually had him as one of my uh, best fantasy uh, positions and I put him uh, actually, with the Denver Broncos, kind of using the same logic that Clark mentioned before, that uh, putting him in a position where there's already an established number one, um, I, I just like the idea of the ball being able to fly a far distance in mile high. Because um, Henry Ruggs is, Jordan Smith, <laughs> Henry Ruggs is a speedster, and you know part of the reason we love. Um, the Kansas city offenses because Patrick Mahomes of course can put the ball in. Um, he can, what's the word I'm looking for. He can catch the ball up to his speedy receivers. You know, he has the arm to get it down the field where they don't have to slow down or, you know, stop their route shorts. He can hit them in stride, even if they're 70 yards downfield. Um, and Henry Ruggs needs to be in a position where he's able to do that, where the ball is able to reach him on these deep fly routes. Um, Another thing to look out for with, in terms of fantasy impact, too, is that um, one thing we kind of picked up on last year was that early fantasy impact guys were the, uh, the speeder, speedsters, the deep ball guys, because lack of practice time, lack of being able to prep over these last few years have allowed um, just being able to do the simple things is what you should uh, is what normally clicks first. Uh, so I can see Henry Ruggs having a pretty decent start to his season just because he's a speedster and all he really has to do to get warmed up is uh, start running very fast and go catch the ball down the field. 
Yeah, we saw that with Marquise Brown, who busted out in big time for the first like two or three weeks with the Ravens last year because he was just a speed guy that defenses couldn't contain quite yet. The fourth receiver, I feel like this is he's been kind of now pushed into the consensus as the number four guy. And this is the last receiver uh, I have on my list, but he was been kind of pushed into this fourth. Like this is the kind of consensus number four guy. And Jordan, here's this is for you. I dedicate this guy to you. Justin Jefferson, I think he's a guy who basically would make his bread and butter as a as an overpowering number two option in an offense play in the slot he can get yards out to the catch but I, I think if he if he plays second fiddle or, or a number two wide receiver to an established one that's where he's really going to shine and I just think that the Packers have a chance to get him realistically uh, and that the Packers need a wide receiver. And I think he would pair super well with Devontae Adams, uh, inside-outside threat. And then you have, obviously, Aaron Rodgers there getting the ball to him. And I think you could see Justin Jefferson have a A.J. Brown-esque, in Green Bay-esque kind of like rapid ascension where he maybe takes a little bit of time to get the offense under his belt. But then once he does, he kind of takes off and is able to really kind of put up some fantasy stats for you on the back end of the season. So I, I, that's one that's a pairing that I would love to see. Yeah. Only comment on that just in general with all of the offensive tackles being talked about and all of the wide receivers being talked about, I think we'll see a lot more of an offensive minded draft this year. And there are so many names that are, uh, that have been mocked in the top, you know, 20 or 30 that so many of these guys are going to fall. So on top of a, uh, hopefully technically disastrous draft. We should also have, have kind of a fun draft of a lot of really solid players making it to teams that are picking in the twenties. Yeah. Well, and a lot of, and a lot of, for fantasy purposes, a lot of sexy names, like it's a lot of wide receivers. The running backs are all probably going to be maybe back into the first round. Highly doubt that, but like probably early slash mid second round guy, like there's a lot of offensive talent and weapons out there. And I think for a fantasy standpoint, this is going to be a great draft to watch because it's a lot of these receivers are going to be able to step in and we'll, we'll see them make an impact uh, on in their first year. Yeah. I, I think the, the best situation obviously for any rookie wide receiver is just to be uh, paired up with a solid quarterback. Um, I do want to mention uh, sports information uh, SIS or whatever. Uh, they do a lot of deep dive analytics. These stats were floating sports around. Info solutions. Sports info solutions. That's it. Thank you. There you go. Um, these stats were floating around uh, Packers Twitter today, which can help uh, them feel a little bit more optimistic about the offense next season if things start to click a little bit more. Um, Aaron Rodgers' receivers cost him at least 648 yards last season because of drops. The average for qualifying quarterbacks was 282, and the second place quarterback had only 507. Now, obviously, uh, drops can come from a variety of reasons of poorly placed ball or just brick hands on the wide receiver's part. But just the fact that he was so far ahead of the second qualifying quarterback in terms of yardage loss because of drops is um, something that hopefully uh, causes a positive regression. And uh, you see more of those yards get picked up this season. And Justin Jefferson would help that. Yeah, we, we touched on last week a little bit on this idea that maybe the safer prospects will come off the board a lot earlier than the risky ones. And uh, like the, you know, forgive me, but like the, the ETR boys were talking about Jefferson as being one of the safer picks this week, um, given that his college production showed that the kid can just play. 
and there aren't as many questions with him. Like he, he's already done it, right? Um, there's a part of me that thinks that Justin Jefferson could be the first receiver off the board. Damn. And, and I, I'm not like putting my name next to that, but I do think that just given when you're looking at everyone's production, what he did this year was really, really impressive. And teams don't want to make a mistake. Like when a team screws up their first round pick, it sets the franchise back a year or two. And in many cases, it's the full length of the contract. If you screw up in this draft, the, the, the gulf between teams that are successful in this draft and those who fail in the first round who just make a bad decision is going to be exponentially larger than what we normally see because the, the mistakes are very likely to be drastically bigger just because teams were not able mm. to do as much homework as they normally would have. You know, so as, as far as phone updates go, we're, we're getting more stuff right now. Roto World uh, compliments or courtesy of Silva is, is tweeting out the fact that uh, more reports are coming out that the Lions just love Derek Brown. And it's, like it's, it's such a Patricia move, right? You're, you're going to take the unathletic defensive tackle who is decent, but who, or who showed very well last year, but has enough analytical question marks that there's a reason to doubt him. But that's not, that, that's different Nothing than what fires these guys up more than, looking than, at. Yeah. than the Detroit Lions doing something stupid. Yeah. So anyway, I'll, I'll get off my, my horse there, but I, yeah, I think Jefferson could go real high, but I, I like him. If he goes to the Packers, that'd be really fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that just based on the um, lack of information that teams are going into the draft with this year compared to other years, uh, you will see like college production particularly play a bigger role in influencing things. And especially if you got guys who are just like, Oh, he did this in the SEC book it. Like let's pick up this guy. Um, totally. So yeah, I definitely think that's going to play a factor there. So there's two more guys who I want to talk about. Uh, want to touch on one running back, uh, Jonathan Taylor, who is, I feel like these running backs, it's just kind of personal preference as to who someone has on top. I feel like the three that most people talk about are Jonathan Taylor, Deandre Swift and uh, JK Dobbins. For Jonathan Taylor, he is a strong runner who has home run speed. He flashed that at the combine, and he can run between the tackles, take the ball to the house. He's not that great in the passing game. The The match that I would love to see him in is I would love for him to go to the Saints and play the Mark Ingram role uh, and play along Kamara and be the kind of return that double-headed running attack that we saw work so effectively in New Orleans and bring so much fantasy production. Both those guys were giving you tons of fantasy points when they were at their at their peaks. Um, and I just think that having another running back, someone who can take the grunt work, take the, not the bell cow, but be, be the tougher power runner, really also would help Kamara's fantasy value because then no longer is that role intrinsic upon him, which he seemingly kind of got banged up last year doing. Um, so that's, that's a pairing. I think, I don't know when he would go, maybe back into the first round, probably second round, but that's, what, that's a pairing that I would love to see happen just to be able to help two backs uh, with one move. I wrote that I would like to see him go to Kansas City. Also a fair spot. <laughs> High-powered offense, just, I mean, 
I feel like they have a spot available for a fast running back. So yeah, I say DeAndre Swift to, to Kansas City because he's a little more stout in the uh, or a little more productive in the passing game, at least from a college level. But yeah, no, I I think I think Kansas City. I would love to see Kansas City draft uh, some sort of running back this year. Yeah, the the way that everybody's got their running backs tiered seems to be pretty uh, up and down. J.K. Dobbins, I believe, is at the top of one of these premier uh, analysts lists. I'm blanking on who it is, but um, uh, let's see. I, I think um, I'm not interested in seeing the Saints burn that high of a pick on him, but I do think that adding a second reliable back to the New Orleans backfield would be really good. Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe he falls. I mean, again, these backs, given – I feel like the, we, I mean, we've talked lots about the diminishing value of running backs and maybe we haven't exactly seen it translate uh, into the draft yet, but maybe this is the year with so many stout wide receivers, so many good wide receivers and, and so much, obviously the emphasis on the passing game in recent NFL, maybe this is the draft where we see these running backs fall till the back end of the second round and, and into the third round. The final guy who I wanted to talk about, uh, Obviously, lots has been made about Tua and where Tua could go and uh, what's his perfect landing spot. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. I number just two. Want, number, number two, he could go to Washington, a la Clark, who if, if the Cardinals do take a wide receiver, Clark's batting 100. And if I get Clark- Judy and Tua right, I've already bested last year. <laughs> and just absolutely destroyed every mock draft that anyone has ever put out. Uh, but what a team that... I, I saw this somewhere and I kind of liked it a lot. And so I'm, I'm riding with it is if we're talking best fantasy fits, not realistic, but, but certainly a fit that I think if he went there, I would be instantly in on him uh, depending on his health, obviously, and his, how much he actually played. But Carolina, the Panthers have, have really built that offense to have a ton of weapons, all of whom would really be able to utilize and, uh, and, take advantage of Tua's ability in the passing game as quick accuracy throws, getting the ball out quick uh, and being able to kind of make this offense really run with uh, yards after the catch. You got DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, Ian Thomas at tight end. I guess I'll throw his name in there. I feel like that's a ton of weapons there for Tua to operate with. It's a pairing that I don't think is going to happen, obviously, but it would be fun. I'm in on it. I know it diminishes our, our boy, Teddy Bridgewater, but I'm, uh, I'm starting to buy into this would be a great pairing if it, if it were to come to fruition. I, so I feel like I'm, I'm just curious what Jordan and, uh, and Nick think. If, if he happens to fall to seven and you're Carolina, can you pass on him? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's can. all Nick will have to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the the issue unfortunately is the is the salary cap they've got 7 million in cap space this year um and they just gave I, i'm i'm looking up bridgewater's i just can't imagine that this will be easy to to get rid of okay so cut pre june 1 yeah i mean they'd be sinking 18 million into uh into Bridgewater. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think that they're much more likely to just take Simmons or, or a tackle or something and, uh, and not sign two quarterbacks, but I suppose they could. <laughs> no fun, Nick. 
Nick, Nick just is like, ah, damn my knows? hard work and research. <laughs> damn your stats and information. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, they signed Teddy Bridgewater and they're cutting ties with Cam Newton because they're unsure of his health. So I don't think they would go ahead and use the number seven overall pick on a quarterback whose health is largely unknown. Um, also fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we go, does do you guys have any, are there any uh, best fantasy pairings in your mind for this draft that you were just like, man, if this dude went to this team, I would be all over him in fantasy leagues. I have one more um, that I wrote down. Uh, I've been tracking this Utah running back because I have him as a developmental player in a dynasty league. Um, so Zach Moss, um, I don't think he's going to be a first round pick or, I mean, he might be a second round pick, but at least then it won't look as bad. Um, I placed him with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, just because I feel like the running options they got there are not going to be in line with uh, what Tom Brady would like. Um, And I got some numbers based on uh, this article that dropped this week that was pretty interesting from Pro Football Focus about critical factors for the 2020 NFL draft class they came up with factors for uh, like stable metrics for a running back to show success Um, so running back stable metrics would be rushing grade missed tackles per attempt um, yards after contact per attempt receiving grade missed tackle per reception and yards per route run Um, and Zach Moss was the only or one of only two power five running backs to finish in the top 10 in both missed tackles per attempt and missed tackles per reception. Um, And he is the only running back to finish in the top six of all six stable metrics, including a number one ranking in yards per route run. Um, So even though he is a fairly big bruising running back, um, it looks like he can go and run some routes and catch some passes for TB. Uh, And I think that, just from a fantasy perspective, like why not pair him with a great quarterback and receivers that are going to be stretching the field and see what Zach Moss can do there rather than, I don't know, putting him in a, a situation like the bears last year with David Montgomery, where Mitch Trubisky just wasn't uh, a focus for any defense. How is Moss's uh, pass protection? Um, 15 that, I'm out not, of 30. Is I'm, well, because no, oh, that's Brady super, isn't I mean, going to let. Super, no, yeah, Brady's not going to let a, a back on the field who can't pass protect. He, he's going to care more about if uh, whether or not a running back, yeah, can can go chip a blocker for him uh, than anything else. That that's that's going to be the primary thing. I'm of course sold on establish the runs connection of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, I think it's a perfect match. Good good in pass pro, good pass catcher. But um, yeah, I mean if 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 Zach Moss can. Uh, if he can pass block, then then that's an excellent pick. I had a buddy who uh, he, he's a, a writer up here in Seattle um, who who played football at a, a prolific Washington high school, uh, like football high school. Um, and he, he told me the other day his favorite running back in this class is Zach Moss because he thinks he can get him on uh, either late day two or, or day three. Um, but I, I can't. I'm struggling to recall if he's able to pass protect. That's that's going to be the key for whoever it is that the Bucks bring in there. He, he can be an excellent pass catcher, but unless it, it the guy can prevent a sack, he's not going 
going to Tampa. Yeah, I think part of it will be, especially for the Buccaneers, they might have to draft a, another lineman or two to solidify some things. Um, he's definitely Zach Moss is definitely like a physical back, so I, he probably won't shy away from contact. I'm not really sure how he is in passing sets. I've mostly just watched to see uh, what sort of like vision he has and uh, his running capability. But you're right. If he's not on the field and Tom Brady doesn't want him on the field, then his impact in fantasy is, <laughs> is bleak. Breaking news, being on the field, important for your fantasy output. As Who Bert knew? is like attacking a plastic frisbee behind me. Calm down, dude. Well, there you go. This will be the last you hear of us before the draft, uh, but it starts on Thursday. Get hyped, everyone, for what's going to be utter and complete chaos. We'll be obviously tracking it, and maybe we will be able to get a uh, a re... Not a redo, but a, a re-teaming, a reassembly, and another emergency first-round podcast. We can get Becca, rope Becca back into giving her first-round grades after every pick. Uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are there itunes spotify stitcher you can find us uh follow us on twitter at rb1 podcast you can follow myself at pm rogers follow clark at nfl clark jordan at jordan underscore smith 27 and of course nicolas you can follow at ginger underscore underscore nick without a k we will be back at you next week until then Peace.